are very excited to hear more from the judiciary today and how we can help you in any way we can with whatever resources we can to accomplish the goals that we are going to hear about today. You've just heard some of the welcome remarks given by Massachusetts Bar Association President Jeffrey Catalano of Todd and Weld during the NBA's State of the Judiciary Address on Thursday, October 20th. I'm Jason Scally, and on this episode of the Mass Bar Beat, we'll be looking back at the 2016 State of the Judiciary Address and listening to some of the remarks given during the event. The State of the Judiciary Address, sometimes called the Bench Bar Symposium, is presented annually by the Massachusetts Bar Association, and it provides an opportunity for the Chief Justice of the Supreme Judicial Court and other court leaders to give an overview of some of the latest developments in the judicial branch in Massachusetts, as well as a preview on where the courts are going. This year, the event featured SJC Chief Justice Ralph Gantz, Trial Court Chief Justice Paula Carey, and Trial Court Administrator Harry Spence. But first, NBA President Catalano offered some brief remarks, noting that a major concern the bar has heard from the courts is the need for more qualified and diverse applicants for judgeships in Massachusetts. One of the ways the Mass Bar Association is responding is through the launch this year of the MBA's inaugural Leadership Academy. This is an academy that is currently consists of 21 attorneys who are three to 10 years out. These are a truly talented and diverse group of people who have significant leadership potential and who have a strong desire to give back to our legal and judicial system. Among the programs that Leadership Academy Fellows will take part in this year is a December meeting on public service, where Superior Court Chief Justice Judith Fabricant will be among the panelists talking about the judicial branch and inspiring them to consider future careers on the bench. So hopefully with a new crop of diverse fellows every year hearing about the noble goal of becoming a judge, we will end up in the not-too-distant future with a judicial branch that is representative of the fabric of our legal society. NBA President Catalano also discussed one of the new ways the NBA was increasing its focus on protecting the rule of law with the new makeup of the NBA's Civil Rights and Social Justice Section Council. It is chaired by Richard Cole, a nationally recognized civil rights expert. Together, we formed a section council that consists of leaders from every segment of the civil rights arena. We obtained representatives from the ACLU, the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights, the Attorney General's Civil Rights Division, and we obtained a representative from every single minority bar association. President Catalano then kicked off the heart of the state of the judiciary by introducing the next speaker. You'll hear me talk a lot about leadership this year, and now it's my privilege to introduce you to one of the great leaders of the Commonwealth today, a great friend of the Massachusetts Bar Association, Chief Justice Ralph Gantz. You know Chief Justice Gantz is a brilliant jurist from the decisions he writes and the speeches he gives, but I can tell you he also has an incredible way of connecting with you on a very personal level. When you meet Chief Justice Gantz, you realize how blessed we are in Massachusetts to have someone like him leading our court system. And today, we are fortunate to hear what he has to say about the state of our judiciary. So without further delay, ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming Chief Justice Ralph Gantz. Aw, shucks, Jeff. Thank you so much for that very, very generous introduction. I, I should say before I begin that I have felt blessed for many reasons, uh, not least of which the blessing of being able to partner with such extraordinary leadership in the MBA. Calling this past year one of transition for the SJC, 
Chief Justice Gantz pointed to the retirement of Justices Spina, Cordy, and Duffley, and the selection of three new justices, Gaziano, Lowy, and Budd. The Chief Justice then turned his address to the continuing process of reimagining the court system, where he discussed procedural changes in the divisions of the trial court aimed at reducing the cost and time of litigation. Then Gantz turned to one of the main areas of focus of his address, providing equal justice for every litigant. Through the training of judges and court staff, bench cards, and even jury instructions, we are examining the implicit bias that afflicts all of us and are seeking to ensure that bias does not infect our bail and sentencing decisions. We need to explore the reasons behind the great disparity in the rates of imprisonment among whites, African Americans, and Hispanics in the Commonwealth. According to data collected by the Sentencing Commission, as a nation in 2014, the rate of imprisonment for African Americans was 5.8 times greater than for whites. In Massachusetts, it was nearly eight times greater. As a nation in 2014, the rate of imprisonment for Hispanics was 1.3 times greater than for whites. In Massachusetts, it was nearly 4.9 times greater. We need to find out why. The Chief Justice of Delaware recently asked the University of Pennsylvania to examine the reasons for racial disparity in sentencing in his state, and its report was issued last month. I have asked Dean Martha Minow of Harvard Law School if she would gather an independent research team to explore the reasons for racial and ethnic disparity in the incarceration rate in Massachusetts, and she has graciously agreed to do so. We in the judiciary will cooperate with her research team to provide them with the data they will need to examine this criminal justice systemic issue. We need to learn the truth behind this troubling disparity, and once we learn it, we need the courage and the commitment to handle the truth. Earlier in the evening, NBA President Jeffrey Catalano touched on the same topic and alluded to conversations with other court leaders about rooting out bias in the legal system. He announced that the MBA, through MBA Vice President John Morrissey, would be holding a program about dealing with implicit bias in our legal system on March 22nd. This is a complicated issue. There are many permutations to it, but this is something that came through our conversations with Chief Justice Kerry and Harry Spence, who expressed that part of their strategic plan is to take this issue on. And we commend Chief Justice Kerry and Harry Spence for their efforts to deal with this very difficult and very sensitive issue. I have heard personally from my colleagues who are minorities about some of the experiences that they have encountered in our legal system. And honestly, it is eyebrow raising and it's even jaw dropping. It is hard to believe that this is going on today in our legal system in our state. But it does. Some of it is subtle and implicit. Some of it is overt. And we need to be taking this on. Chief Justice Gantz then went on to discuss how the courts have been taking a hard look at providing equal justice for those facing financial challenges. Last term, we reaffirmed the legal principle that no defendant should be imprisoned or otherwise punished because he or she is too poor to be able to pay a fine, fee, or an order of restitution. We are examining whether we are unwittingly punishing poverty by the imposition of fines, fees, and restitution that a defendant has no ability to pay, and taking steps to ensure that the inability to pay does not result 
in the revocation of probation, the inappropriate extension of a period of probation, or time in jail. We will continue to work with legal services and the pro bono bar to diminish the justice deficit endured in civil cases by those unable to afford counsel. We have created six new court service centers in our larger courthouses that have made it easier for those without counsel to navigate our court system. We take pride in the National Center for Access to Justice having recently ranked Massachusetts second overall in the nation for our work in the areas of attorney access, assistance to self-represented litigants, language and disability assistance, and self-help information. But we know that progress in these areas requires continued commitment, resources, and study, and that we are far, far away from where we need to be. Continuing on the theme of equal justice, Chief Justice Gantz implored the legislature to act on the court's request to expand the housing court statewide, calling it an injustice that one in three state residents are denied access to a housing court. It is neither fair nor sensible that residents of Boston and Boylston have access to a housing court, but residents of Brookline, Braintree, and Burlington do not. A housing court is not only good for tenants, it is good for landlords. Where a landlord has access to both a housing court and a district court or the BMC, more than four out of five landlords vote with their feet by choosing to bring their eviction action in housing court. Housing courts save vulnerable people from homelessness and save the taxpayers millions of dollars by avoiding the need for emergency shelter. Gantz then turned to the topic of criminal justice reform. As many of you know, the governor, speaker, Senate president, and I invited the Council of State Governments, CSG, to do an in-depth study of our criminal justice system as part of its Justice Reinvestment Initiative and to provide us with the data and analysis that will assist us in shaping criminal justice policy and improving public safety by reducing the rate of recidivism. The steering group created to guide the Justice Reinvestment Initiative and the working group created to implement it have carefully reviewed the data that CSG has furnished and the analysis it has provided and we eagerly await CSG's final policy recommendations. Gantz called the collaboration between all branches of government in the Justice Reinvestment Initiative a historic opportunity to improve criminal sentencing and reduce the risk of recidivism. But he ended with some words of caution. We must have the perspective and the humility to recognize that calling something a reform does not necessarily make it so. We must remember that the criminal justice system we are seeking to reform was itself the result of changes that were thought to be reforms when they were put in place. We must think hard not only about the consequences we intend, but about the foreseeable consequences that we do not intend. Gantz then thanked his fellow judges, court clerks, probation officers, and other court personnel for their dedication. He also thanked the legislative leaders for sharing in his commitment to providing justice for all and for considering the court's budget requests fairly in challenging fiscal times. The Chief Justice concluded by tipping his hat to the bar for what he terms, quote, an extraordinarily productive partnership during his years as Chief Justice. You have been our advocates in the legislature. You have helped us to educate new members of the bar in standards of professionalism and civility. You have offered constructive guidance regarding attorney voir dire, court rules, and public access to court files. 
You have given your time to those who cannot afford counsel. You have been in every way our partners in the pursuit of justice, and I thank you for that. NBA President Jeff Catalano then returned to the podium to introduce trial court Chief Justice Paula Carey. I know it's been said before, but when it comes to leaders, we have an embarrassment of riches in our court system. And Chief Justice Carey is one of the richest, most committed individuals I have ever met in our profession. I want to thank her for being such an incredible friend to the Massachusetts Bar Association over the years and to the bar at large. Truly, everyone in the Commonwealth is fortunate to have such a committed public servant. And we are excited to hear once again about some of the exciting things that she has in store for our trial courts. Chief Justice Carey thanked a host of court and state officials in the audience before giving a heartfelt thank you to her colleague, Court Administrator Harry Spence. She then described the role that the trial court plays in the Commonwealth today. The court system is the last haven for people who have nowhere else to turn. Generally, we see people at their worst. But however they present our, our, themselves, we do and we must deliver fair and impartial justice in a respectful and dignified manner. More and more, our court system is being called upon to do things it's never had to do before. In light of the opioid addiction, we just got a notice that for the third time in as many months, several of our court officers have actually brought someone and saved their life through the use of Narcan in our courts. We're not emergency rooms. We're not trained to be doing this, but yet the court system has stepped up to the plate, have trained all of our court officers to administer Narcan, and many of whom have got first responder treatment. We've had to do it. It's how people come to us. Chief Justice Carey then gave a forward-looking address on where the trial court is headed. As we deliver justice over the next few years, we're, we're going to focus on four umbrella policies and principles. One is the principle of continued improvement. Two is racial and ethnic uh, disparities, as Chief Justice Gantz has, has indicated. Three, public trust and confidence. What can we do in the judicial system to improve and foster public trust and confidence in what we do? And four, the user experience. How do people experience our courts? And how can we make their experience better? Chief Justice Kerry also drew the bar's attention to two immediate challenges facing the trial court. The more than 50 judicial vacancies, which is causing a crisis, and a significant shortage of court officers due to budget constraints. Despite these challenges, we are determined to deliver justice with dignity and speed. We're determined to keep up with our caseload. Our judges and our staff continually find ways to get the job done, to meet these challenges, and to respond to what the public needs and what you, members of the bar, need. Chief Justice Kerry also thanked the bar for its history of support. This collaboration uh, is something I want you to know that we don't. We in the judiciary do not take for granted. Year after year, I stand here grateful for your leadership in the bar and grateful for your partnership. And today I'm here to, be, to tell you how excited I am for the future that lies ahead over the next year. NBA President Catalano then introduced the last speaker of the evening, Court Administrator Harry Spence, whom Chief Justice Gantz had earlier mentioned was retiring in April of next year. Sadly, Court Administrator Spence will be wrapping up his term soon. And when he does, he will not only leave a legacy of excellence that will be hard to replace, he will leave the trial court in a better shape than it has ever been. And for that, we are eternally grateful. For now, however, we continue to benefit from his leadership, so let's not say goodbye today. 
I'm sure Court Administrator Spence will be the first to tell you that there's still more work to be done, and I'm excited to hear about what he has to say. So please join me in welcoming Trial Court Administrator Harry Spence. Court Administrator Spence said he would save his thank yous and goodbyes for another time and got right into some of the accomplishments of the trial court over the past four and a half years since he took over as the court's first trial court administrator. Chiefs and deputy court administrators, security, facilities, and court leadership, probation and the trial court's judges, clerks and first justices are all experiencing the power of genuine collaboration in the service of justice. We can all be justly proud of the strengthening of the justice system that we have together accomplished over the past several years. A few examples. The trial court has completed the initial task of installing a unified case management system, mass courts, in every courthouse in the state. On that platform, we are now launched on the more transformative task of transitioning from paper to a fully automated digital operation, a task we expect to complete by the end of calendar year 2019. Already the great majority of our cases are available online, and attorneys throughout the state make use of the attorney's portal to stay abreast of their representation of their clients. Secondly, after a wrenching period of controversy, the probation department has adopted evidence-based practices and risk assessment tools throughout its work and is undergoing an important reorganization to free probation officers from the administrative tasks they've been doing to concentrating on altering the arc of the lives of their probationers. Third, the trial court has led the Commonwealth in responding to the opioid crisis by doubling the number of drug courts in the state and by establishing a specialty court system that ensures the continuing high quality of drug court work in accord with the evidence-based principles that undergird the effective work of drug courts. Court Administrator Spence noted how the trial court has improved the pathways to justice for unrepresented litigants with the court's six court service centers and more robust online resources. He then went on to praise improvements in the court's facilities management and security departments, as well as advancements in its hiring practices. But more importantly than all these accomplishments, he said, were the values embraced throughout the trial court, particularly working more as a community in partnership with each other, one working together to improve the quality of justice. Court Administrator Spence then wrapped up his final remarks at a State of the Judiciary address by saying the courts are in good hands with all those who work within the system. I am honored to have worked these almost five years with such a group of people. The people who administer our system of justice are intelligent, resilient, good-humored, and morally committed. They serve our Commonwealth with dignity and dedication. I am confident that they will continue the great work that has given all of us such deep satisfaction in recent years. I'm grateful to you all for how you've embraced change, and I look forward to learning of your continued progress in the days ahead. And with that, the 2016 State of the Judiciary Address drew to a close. I hope you've benefited from hearing these excerpts and summaries of the State of the Judiciary Address here on the Mass Bar Beat. On behalf of the Mass Bar Association, which presented the State of the Judiciary on October 20th, I'm Jason Scally. Thank you for listening.